0: Hey guys, I'm Nick. And I'm Eugene. Welcome to Papercut. This week, we're discussing Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut, 1969. Now, I'm not going to lie, Eugene. I think one of the main things that drew me to this book to begin with was the title, Slaughterhouse-Five.
1: I thought it was a lot more recent than 1969, but I guess I was
0: mistaken. Carry on, Nick. (laughs) 69. (laughs) But yeah, um... (laughs) With with Slaughterhouse-Five, I don't know about you, but I genuinely thought it would be a... It sounded like a murder mystery thing involving a slaughterhouse and like five investigators, you know? Kind of like the the Annie Blyton books, but it wasn't. It really wasn't. What is Slaughterhouse-Five? Well, if anyone's ever told you about Slaughterhouse-Five, they will tell you that there is no story. Those people are wrong. There is a story. It's just told in a non-linear fashion. And so if you piece together the story piece by piece, the story is actually somewhat standard-ish. And it's actually quite pretty. Um, so, But you just have to take the time to actually like work it out, what's going on in your mind. And it's not like rocket science. You just need a bit of time. So here's how the story goes. I'm going to give it to you in the linear fashion. Because if I told you the non-linear fashion, it will just confuse the heck out of everyone. So... This is the timeline I found online just to grab my bearings together. You start off with this guy Biddy Pilgrim and he grows up in America uh, in the before the uh, before the Second World War and guess what he gets drawn into the Second World War and he gets into the Second World War in Dresden and he fights his way through and he becomes a prisoner of war. Now, around this time he becomes quote unstuck in time when what that means is he can time travel it's one way of saying he can time travel but he can't control it ah one of those books one of those books and so he starts time traveling all over the place but let's just stick with the main thing then he gets ca- uh, then he gets caught and he's he becomes a prisoner of war and he gets thrown into some place called hey slaughterhouse five where he's strapped in there and by the time he gets out, it's, this, it's the bombing of Dresden. And when that's all done, that's actually when the book ends. But of course, there's more because it's told in a nonlinear linear fashion. And so after the war, he gets married, starts a family and joins a famous club. And it, like, throughout this entire thing, he starts writing his book as well. And his book talks about his experiences, the people he's met... And in particular, his experiences on this alien spaceship. Oh, sorry, on this alien planet. And people think he's a freak. Some people, some people think he's a hero. In any case, he becomes famous. Now, his time with the aliens comes further into the future because he time travels there somehow to uh, every now and again in this place called Trafamador. And basically, they keep him there as a pet ask him weird questions and at one point give him a Hollywood actress as a mating, as a mate. Quite a good life is what I'm trying to say. Then flashes back to the present and then all of a sudden he's dead. So that is basically the story. There is a few major plot points there, but that is how you would break it down in the linear fashion. Eugene, I don't know if you've read it before, have you? No. Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll say this, I'll give you my original thoughts, like... I audiobooked this not too long ago, so it's still fairly fresh in my mind and how I felt about it. It's still it's still there with me. And it's actually, in my opinion, like a very beautifully told story. It's an anti-war novel. Um, but still there there are elements in there where you can relate to, even if it isn't war, because the experience is like that. And so I, and I'll say this to people: you have to audiobook it as well. You you just have to try because uh, there's an audiobook narration by James Franco, and he reads it in such a way, like it's not his James Franco upbeat way. He reads it in such a way that you can actually feel the emptiness of the narrator. You actually feel it, and I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if he wanted this, but it, it captures the point very well. Like being an anti-war novel he critiques like what is the point of war and from that he kind of goes what is the point of life so i mean his point i think is very very clear like with the whole what's the point of war it's i mean hmm, there is no point from his perspective of course
1: yeah no i'm listening to what you said just now i'm just kind of wondering what where does the anti-war element come in? Uh, if it's right. like a just him traveling around the place, like how does he show the emptiness of war or like the harm,
0: the harm that it does to people? Of course, I just gave you like a massive overview of it. So if you actually drill down into like the war scenes or the scene of the aliens uh, throughout those entire uh, those periods, you can tell that he just does not. He's just empty inside. Like he when he describes the scenes, he's just like. Oh, that happened. He's not like you know. He's not like, oh no, that happened. I'm gonna cry about it. No, he, none of that. He's very emotionless when all these things happen. It's just it's it's a series of that happened. It's very detached in that sense, and it's not that because it's not because he's like emotionally stumped, uh, stunted or anything or a psychopath. He does feel it. It's just he's a bit desensitized to it, and mm-hmm. so when he sees these things happening. He's he's just like, That sucks, but why does that happen? And like, was this needed? You know, do we need to go through this? And there's something quite poignant about that. Just having a detached sense of it. And I actually wrote this down as I was as I was thinking about this, right? Like often when we critique something, um, it's normally interesting to take like a certain standpoint and sort of a, and sort of attack a point or critique a point. So I guess the interesting thing about Slaughterhouse 5 is he takes several viewpoints. So he has him and you have him in the past, him in the future, and him during the events he's trying to critique. And you even have it from the perspective of aliens, so like people looking into the wars, into the planets. And so he's attacking it he's a, he's critiquing these things from all these points. And I don't know if it was intended or not, but I found that quite interesting.
1: Because, like, how does the time travel element add to the plot? If the mm. if the plot is just asking about criticizing war,
0: you know, how does it actually y- use the time travel bit? That's an interesting point because if I'm very being very honest with you, this is sort of the... It's not a critique, but this is sort of the main thing people say, like, what's the point of the time travel? And you can kind of argue and say, like, well, yeah, there was no point to the time travel or like stuff like that. But that I feel like that's a bit of a cop out. I feel like that's a bit. I of a feel like out.
1: usually with time travel novels, they would, would they try and play around with the, the time, the, yeah, travel being able to change the past or whatever. But is there some, is there like something like this in this book?
0: Nope. Um, the only thing that's somewhat close to that part of time travel is every time he gets to a re- he gets to a really sticky situation where you think he's about to die he just kind of magically transports to another moment in time. And then by the time he re- returns to that moment in time when he was in danger, the danger's already passed. So you can think of it as a as a get out of jail card. Okay. But it's it a very it That's a very
1: interesting use of the time travel element. I mean, just use teleportation. <laughs> <laughs> it's Okay, I,
0: I, I see what you mean, though. I think he wanted to use that sort of time travel element to sort of show, uh, I mean, he does have moments where he goes, like, to the future, he does something maybe that's not in accordance to his quote-unquote values, and he goes back in time, and he has to go like, oh shoot, I did this, but it hasn't happened yet, and, you know, it. So, so I'll tell you straight up, in the future, he cheats on his wife, and... And of course, he's bouncing towards, toing and fro-ing from his future life and his past life. Mm-hmm. His past life being married, his future life being um, the one where he commits adultery. And but how far in the future? Though. It's it's far enough. It's like like in the, when so they, they talk don't about coincide, him, right? they don't coincide oh, okay. exactly. Like um and I think they even have the affair like after the w- original wife's dead. So technically, there's nothing wrong, but you know that's the kind of weirdness of it. Yeah. He goes into the future, and he's having an affair, and he's immediately back, and he's back to his wife. And technically, they are different timelines. They will never meet, but you have... I don't know. As a reader, I don't think he... I don't think they really explore it very much, but as a reader, you're just left there like, should he be feeling guilty about this? So I guess this is a question for you, Eugene. Let's say you had a wife right now, and let's say... You trans- get transported a hundred years to the future. Your wife's dead, like. Yeah, ad- you
1: transport hundred years to the future, and introduce the future to that. But yeah, but uh, I think like your question was whether I would feel like moral dent Yeah, I personally, hmm, I don't know. I feel like I need to be in that situation to actually know the answer to that. But right now, you know, because I'm, because I'm not thinking with my head. I'm thinking about the possibilities of what I can do with it, and um, I'm quite intrigued in trying it out. That's what I'm trying to say. So I, I feel like every guy will go like, "Oh no, this is horrible. This is immoral." But given the chance, you know, they 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 will do it.
0: Because I feel like you can reason your way out of this. Like you can. I'm sure there's a way you can logically say because because this stuff hasn't happened yet. I technically haven't committed adultery, therefore I am a good human being. I'm quite sure you can argue it that way, but like similarly you can say It's it,
1: about what you perceive as the world, right? Yeah. Whether whether it's you or whether it's the act, you know. Mm. It's it's like yeah, it's like you know you have committed it. Right. And that's good enough as a conviction to some people's eyes. Whereas others could be like, Well technically it's not an act that I have... That, that is committed. Right. So it's... it's yeah. It, 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 basically, I'm agreeing with your point, right? It's... It's tricky, this one. But I do think, like... In all intents and purposes... It does count as... Uh, adultery. Adultery.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Like, I don't want to drill too far into yeah, yeah. it. Um, but back to the point of about it being anti-war... I think the interesting part is the next part. Because being anti-war... Like, you ask, what's the point of war a few steps of logic later, you get to the question, what is the point of life if it's just so much suffering? Mm. And so it's quite good because in the book, he confronts, he, he's confronted with this question time and time again. He even asked the aliens like, oh, you aliens look so peaceful. Like, do you guys not have wars and everything? And so the aliens, I should tell you, they are time traveling aliens just to add confusion to the mix. And, for them, like they are unstuck in time as well. So they in four D space, they exist as points. Whereas humans, like us, who are stuck in time, we exist as lines. So we are bound. Ah, uh, we imagine a imagine a pencil. Like, for the aliens, their pencils can leave the, ah, uh, the page. Whereas for humans, our pencils never leave the page. Mm. And so, like we 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 draw lines, and they're just points. And so, what happens is they can hop around, look into the past and go, oh, that's a nice period. And so when Pilgrim, Billy Pilgrim, asks the aliens, like, hey, you guys look so peaceful. How do you guys not have wars? The aliens go, oh, yeah, we have wars. Oh, but you guys don't die. Oh, no, we die. And then they say, we have wars, we die. But we try not to focus on those. And because of our existence, like, no one's actually really ever dead because they're only dead in that time, but they've always existed in the past. And so we try to focus on that time instead. We try to focus on the times like before um, when it's not a war. And I think that's a very nice way to look at it in that it doesn't actually matter what happens. It's what you focus on that matters. Mm. Um, you see, I hear that. And the only thing I can think of is even those
1: like omniscient beings that know what's gonna happen they still can't avoid war yeah i don't know it just sounds a bit devastating you can't avoid war it has to happen even if you know it's gonna happen it's still gonna happen
0: and i think that's like the hard part of it yeah how how do you reconcile this and that was the only explanation i got at least like you focus on it makes
1: sense though just like if you want to see this guy just goes just go to the timeline before he dies right
0: yeah Exactly from the alien point of view, either. yeah, and and throughout this entire book, like the Serenity Prayer comes up, and I actually go- uh, googled it out, like because I really like the quote and the Serenity Prayer for you, for those who are fortunate not fortunate enough not to know, is um is famous for being the prayer used for the alcohol recovery programs, <laughs> like the Seven Steps Alcohol re- uh, Recovery Programs, and the quote goes like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom, always to know the difference. And I don't think Vonnegut ever said that he made it, but I think it's those are good words to live by. Like serenity to accept the things you can't, and you yeah, want being able to change things and sort of accept. That's a hard part, right? The last bit. The wisdom yeah. to know the difference. Uh,
1: but that's pretty mm. it's a pretty it's quote. a very elegant quote that I shall forget in about 10 minutes yes,
0: yes 100% but I mean it's repeated so many times throughout this book that it stays with you so there are a few quotes that actually repeat it over and over again that mm-hmm. they aren't pretty quotes but it's, it's the repetition that makes it interesting so like uh, every every now and again like whenever something happens uh, the narrator will just go Oh, this happened, so it goes. This happened, so it goes. He'd ask the aliens, like, aliens, why me? And the aliens would just reply, why anyone? Like a five-year-old. So And these things sort of recur, and I think that sort of just adds to like the, what is the point of, of, of anything, that whole nihilistic feel. So I don't think this book is being anti-war. I think it's, sorry, it's being anti-war, but it's not being anti-life that makes sense like, it's trying to say hey there is a point to life like it and it's about focusing on the good things and uh, sort of accepting the things you can't change it's mm-hmm. uh, very
1: interesting anti-war view actually. it's yeah. not your conventional war is bad yeah it's just like what's the
0: point in war what's the point it's going to happen like yeah. how do you de- how do you cope with it yeah and i think that's one way to do it i know we're running out of time soon so I think I'd recommend this book to people who want something different. I personally don't think that everyone needs to read this. Mm. Um, and it, it's good if you're feeling a bit nihilistic as well, or if you think that the world's gone to shit. So but would you I, recommend
1: this book to people who identify themselves with Rick Sanchez? <sighs>
0: Probably not. I'm sure they'll try to logic their way into into like stupid scenarios. Like, oh, this IQ is not high enough for me. I can't. I can't. Something like uh, that. This
1: time travel doesn't make sense. <laughs> oh, actually, I mean, time travel doesn't make sense. Here, really. Full stop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, but, like, so they actually don't explore any paradoxical elements of time travel. It's uh, like the whole point of the time time travel here is like a more of a coping mechanism,
0: than something like anything, that. Right? Okay, something like that. I mean, the most they do with the time travel is like when he becomes famous, he just kind of goes, "Oh yeah, I have traveled into the future," and that's that's it. So that's no, quite interesting. There's no the time travel here is more of a get out of jail. It's more like a teleportation card. There is. I would say that the time travel here is more justified than the one in the time machine. But I don't... It's more of a coping mechanism, like you said. Although I must
1: say this and the time machine are the only two time travel, uh, I guess, stories that I know of that don't explore the paradoxical elements. I guess that's... I mean, if 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 what you say holds true, right, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I might miss something, but (laughs) I don't know. All right, guys that's all we have for today thank you for listening in if you like what we do follow us on spotify just type in Papercut podcast in your search bar or in any of your other preferred streaming sites if you want to leave us a comment or let us know what you think you can email us at
1: papercut.cast at gmail.com
0: or instagram
1: at papercut.cast no caps
0: Or Twitter.
1: At Papercut Podcast. One
0: word, no caps. Look forward to seeing you guys next week for another episode. Until then, I'm Nick. And I'm Eugene. Peace. Out.